You are listening to Press Church Podcasts. Please enjoy this week's message. I am a child. Over the last couple of weeks, we've started on this sermon series that we based out of Romans 17, verses 6 and 7. And it starts with, we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks, that Paul and his friends, his disciples, show up to this town, they start preaching, and the only thing that they're preaching is the gospel message. If you read earlier in Acts chapter 17, he says that Christ died for your sins, he was buried in a tomb, and he rose again the third day. The simple message of the gospel is what Paul preaches, and all of a sudden, the city goes in an uproar. The teachings of Jesus cause this uproar in this town, and his friends who are housing him, Jason, is brought into the middle of the city because there's this riot going on, and verse 6 says, but when they did not find them, being Paul, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. The title of the sermon series is Upside Down. Now, we talked about this before. If you read in the previous scriptures, Paul did not come in with an army. Paul did not come in with the news media. He didn't come in with money. He didn't come in and try and overthrow anything. He came in, went to church, and said the simple message that Christ died for your sins, he was buried in a tomb, and he rose again the third day. And the world said, this teaching is upside down, completely throwing off what we believe. And look at verse 7. Says Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. That this teaching of Jesus was upside down and contrary to what the world was preaching. And so we said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Oh my goodness. Spotlight. <laughs> And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That the purpose of this sermon series is we're going to look at some of the teachings that Jesus has spoken that are upside down, that are contrary to what the world is teaching. So we don't need to be conformed to what the world is telling us. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, by reading and understanding what Jesus has taught us. The first week after that, we talked about, I am a servant. We talked about how the world tells us that if you want to move up in life, you've got to push everybody else down. But that's not what Jesus teaches. Jesus teaches if you want to be greatest in the kingdom, you've got to be the servant of all. The next week we talked about, I am a giver. That in the world, they tell us if you want anything, you've got to go out there and take. You've got to go out there and take. We referenced uh, the, the, the great um, toilet paper crisis of a couple months ago. Where everybody, uh, they weren't handing out toilet paper. Well, hey, I bought all this toilet paper to give to you. No, no, no. We bought all this toilet paper to hoard for ourselves. That's what the world teaches us. When there's disaster, when anything happens, you take and hoard whatever you can. You don't give to anybody else. But that's not the upside down teaching that Jesus said. He says it's more blessed. You're more blessed to give than receive. And then last week we talked about I am a lover. How we're taught out in the world to hate our enemies, to hate anybody who is different than us, hate anybody who comes against us. We're to hate those people. But Jesus says, love your enemies. And if, and if the, the biggest thing out there is to love your enemies, then how much more are we supposed to 
love our friends and family, our acquaintances, those that we might not get along with at times. If loving your enemy is the biggest thing to do, then we should be even more loving to the people around us. And this week we're talking about, I am a child. The world's point of view is that adults are better than children. It's the simplest idea out there, and it it somewhat makes sense because kids can't drive yet. Kids can't go and take over a company. Adults can do more than children. We, We know that. Adults are only children for a decade or so in our lives. And I guess we have some adult babies that are a little bit, take a couple more decades to mature, but for the most part, we are called children for a decade or two. And then think, for the rest of your life, you are no longer a child. That you're called a baby, and as you grow, you're in the toddler stage, pre-K, kindergarten, middle school, high school, college age, young adult. And once you get past that, you're just an adult. Then eventually they call you elderly. And then they call you dead. (laughs) That we're children for such a short portion of our lives. Adults are smarter and better functioning humans for the most part. We're just taking a a big, broad statement at this. You might know some people that aren't like that way, but I have an eight-month-old baby and five-year-old boy. Smarter than him. I'm a little more better functioning than them at this time. Adults are careful who and what they trust, and they question motives. The downfall of being an adult is kids, they they just trust, they just believe, they just enjoy, they just, but as we grow older, as we turn into adults, all of a sudden we have these barriers, we have these walls that we put up because of things that have happened in our lives. I keep people at a distance, I I don't trust as much on a human level, which also equates to I might not trust as much on a God level. That as we grow older, we are told to quit dreaming. We don't have time to stop because we're so busy. To quit imagining. I I remember being younger and playing with army men and playing with Legos and There was a point in time where I put those down and walked away from them. Because I'm an adult. We don't don't have time to play with Legos anymore. We don't have time to play with cars. My my dream and imagination of playing with the cars is... Now I have children and now I'm thankfully back to playing with Legos and playing with cars. Playing video games with my son and... But I find it now, it's hard for me to get into playing like I used to. My son has this imagination and these dreams that just, we're doing this and we're going here and he's out in the yard and he all of a sudden becomes Captain America. He's wearing boots and a 
crazy hat and he's got a, uh, something tied around as a shield, as a, as a cape. I'm like, I, I, can't, I can't do that anymore. But we are taught and the world teaches us that, hey, it's better to be an adult than a child. We're going to look at the upside down teaching of Jesus where he says, to enter the kingdom of God, you must be like a child. Now, we're not going back like Nicodemus where he's asking to be born again. Do I have to go back in my mother's womb to be born? No, we're not, we're not talking that way. Look at Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 verses 15 is where we'll start. Here's Jesus speaking. And he says, Then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, the adults saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus called to them and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Wait a second, I'm 30-something years old. What do you mean by that Jesus? That all of a sudden he puts an emphasis on being a child and the importance of understanding the kingdom, entering the kingdom, being similar to a child. Let's look at another story in Matthew chapter 18. This is another story, another encounter that Jesus has with children. Remember, whenever we see stories that are similar in nature or we see a a repeating word or a repeating phrase by Jesus or somebody in the Scriptures, we need to pay attention to it. If Jesus says anything more than once or a story is shown more than once, then there's some importance there that He's trying to get to us, He's trying to highlight to us. So if you're ever reading in the Scriptures and you see a word repeated more than once in like just a slew of two, three, four, five verses, a red flag should come up, an antenna should come up, wait a second, I need to go back and read again because there's something important that I need to see. Here's another story in Matthew chapter 18, in verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 5, whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. You see, Jesus is encouraging us to be humble like a child, to sit in his lap and depend upon him. He's encouraging us to trust him and his word as the absolute truth. That it would be Weird and downright creepy for a man to go sit in another man's lap. Everybody's like, what what are they doing? What, What is going on? But we don't think any of it when a child comes and comes and sits in your lap. That when a child trusts you and when they know you and they believe you, that they'll just come and, like my son right here, just lay in the lap of his best friend. 
glad that Faith is here. She flew in from Dallas on Thursday, and she'll be here all this week, so thank you for... She's the worship leader at the church we came from, so she took time off to come and help lead worship here and do, do, do her job, so thank you for doing that. That Jesus is encouraging us to become like a child again and to sit in his lap, to lean into him, to, to experience him, to, to talk with him, to trust him. How do we enter into his kingdom? It starts by crawling into his lap, just like a child. It says in the scriptures that we can now call him Abba, Father. Abba, Father. That we can... It says in the scriptures that we can walk boldly into his throne room. With my five-year-old son, he sometimes in the middle of the night has a bad dream. And we can hear his little feet jump out of the bed. A little pitter-patter. We'll hear his door open up. Hear a little pitter-patter of feet. And he'll come into our room and he'll crawl in bed with us. Say he had a bad dream or whatever and go back to sleep. Now, if that was you that walked into my house in the middle of the night, and I didn't hear a pitter-patter, I heard a stomp, 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 and then you came in my room, told me you had a bad dream and crawled in bed with me, we would have an issue. But it's just completely common for a child to go run into their parents' bedroom without ever knocking, without any regard to what you're doing in there, you know, we have an eighth-month-old, and we've talked about this, and we're praying through it, and heaven forbid one day that prayer will be answered. My baby will sleep through the night, uh, but last night was not the night for that miracle. That she just starts crying. She wants to be held. She wants to be loved. She wants to be rocked. She wants... We have that same understanding of being a child, that Jesus has come in to my room, when Jesus dies on the cross, it says that the, the, uh, the cloth that was covering the temple, that was holding, that was hiding us from the Holy of Holies, was ripped into from the top to the bottom, which means God opened up his door and said, come on in, boys. Come on in, girls. Come on in, family. That when something's going on in our lives, we make a beeline and run to our Father. We crawl into his lap, and we trust him that he's going to take care of everything and let it be okay. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Verse 3. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. As Christians, we must have childlike faith, believing all of the Bible, besides just the stories that we've grown up and listened to. Sometimes it's hard for people to wrap their mind around a loving father or somebody sending Jesus to the earth to die for us. Or they have a hard time understanding the Holy Spirit or understanding giving or healing speaking in tongues, all of those things. But we have no problem. I've never, in all my years of ministry, 
In my years of Bible school, I've never debated anybody on Jonah and the whale. That a man ran from God, got on a boat, and because he ran from God, a storm hit, and then the sailors who weren't saved cast lots to find out who was the one that was causing this storm to happen, and it fell on Jonah. They went and woke him up and says, the lots fell on you, tell us what happened. And he says, oh, I'm running from God, and, and he's mad about it, and there's a storm. And they said, okay, well, the, the, storm, the boat is going to crash. What are we supposed to do? He said, throw me overboard. He said, throw you overboard? Yeah, 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 it's fine. They throw him overboard, and then God sends a fish, however large this fish is, and swallows a man. Now, that's not the crazy part of the story, because fish eat humans all the time. We have shark attacks. They like to take a bite out of surfers all the time. There was a story, I believe that it was in Africa, uh, where a woman fell into a body of water and was eaten by an alligator. Animals have no problem eating humans. That's, that's not the crazy part of the story. This man is swallowed by a fish, and then he's in the belly of the fish, not for three hours, but for three days. And then, as he's praying and crying out to God, in three days he spit back up. Could have been anywhere. Who knows where that fish has traveled, but he spit up right on the shore of the area where God had called your entire life. And we've heard that story if you've grown up in church your entire life and not given it a second thought. Believed it like the back of your hand. David and Goliath, that a little shepherd boy with five stones, goes and fights a champion warrior. He picks up five, but all he needs is one. Knocks him down. Then pulls the giant sword out, cuts his head off, and holds it up. Says, who wants some? And we believe that. As sure as you're looking at me and I'm looking at you, without a doubt. I mean, we just wholeheartedly believe that. For the most part, people believe that a young virgin woman was visited by an angel. And that somehow, some way, God impregnated her and Jesus was born. What stories, think about it, what stories do you just wholeheartedly believe in the Bible? And what stories and what scriptures and what themes in the Bible do you put your hands up and say, no, I, I don't believe that. That's, that's not true. That's not real. That's not. Is it healing? Is it believing that there's a heaven and a hell? Is it believing that there's an afterlife and an eternity? Speaking in tongues is the big one. We know that. The Holy Spirit and His gifts what Jesus did on the cross, was it really for me? Can he really love me? Can he really save me? Does God really want to talk to me? Me, personally? That we see in the scriptures. 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, As a newborn baby desires pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. That when we come as a child... Children believe really anything that you tell them. 
It's believed that at a certain age, from what I could see, it's around eight or nine that kids stop believing in certain things. We have kids here, so I don't want to go into too much detail. But there's a certain age as kids get older where they start questioning things, start asking things. Well, how's this or why's this or who's doing this, who's not doing this? And then from the age of 10 on, we continue on with that, as opposed to just believing, having that magical wonder and imagination, which is why we go back and Jesus talking both times in Luke 18 and Matthew 18. He says, if you want to enter into the kingdom, you've got to be like a child. You've got to abandon the hesitation. You've got to abandon the fear and the frustration you just got to go sit on his lap and listen to what he has to say for you. And as we finish, I just want to highlight three ways that you can become a child. Three ways that you can become a child. Number one, understand your identity as his child. I talked about this to the young adults on Thursday. Your identity is very important. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. So we're about to see what manner, what massive thing. This is the love that the Father is bestowing on us. Look at what manner the, the love of the Father has bestowed on us. What, what could it be? Giving us more money, giving us power, giving us fame, giving us this, giving us that. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Other scripture says before we entered into his kingdom, we were enemies, we were strangers, we were foreigners, we were sinners, we were all these things. But we have that childlike faith and we believe in him and what he's done and what he said the manner of love that God has bestowed upon us is calling us His children. He's calling us His children. That I have two children in this earth. I have Noah Winston. I have Eliza Jane. Those are my children. I call them my children. There's, there's nobody else. I don't see a, a, a kid walk by and say, hey, that's my kid. They don't come home with me. I don't pay their bills. I don't feed them. I don't take care of them. They're my children. I take care of them. And the father says, the best love that I can bestow upon you, look at this manner, is calling you a child. And if he's calling you his child, and you've been adopted in, you've been grafted into the family, how much more is he going to take care of you? How much more is he going to love you and provide for you? Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Verse 2. Beloved, in case you didn't get it, look, here's a great example. We have in verse 1, he calls us the children of God. In verse 2, it's repeated again. We need to pay attention to this. John, the author, is trying to tell us something in this passage. Behold, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. In verse 3. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Understand your identity as his child. Identity is so important. Before you were even born, 
your family and your last name had an identity. My last name is Land, L-A-N-D, just like what you're standing on. Either we had a bunch of it when we were many, many generations ago, or we were very simple people and didn't know what else to call ourselves. But there was an identity associated with my parents, my grandparents, when they said, oh, you're a land boy. I just got born. I don't know, I don't know what that means. Your family has an identity. And then as you grew older, as you went to high school and college and these different places, there was an identity associated with you because of the people that you hung out with. Oh, well, he's a jock because he plays sports or she's in the band. She plays sports. Well, she's the smart one. All, you know, the chess players, they hang out together. There was an identity that was placed upon you just by the circle of influence that you had. And I talked with the young adults and said, you know, as you're coming out of college, you're probably away from your friends and family. You're away from your high school friends. And now you have to establish the identity for yourself. And it's vital and it's important to understand that the most important identity that you have is that you're a son or daughter of God first. Because I I made this statement to them. You have to understand your position before you understand your purpose. You've got to understand your position. I am a child of God, no matter what I do. Even when I fall, even when I falter, I am a child of God. And when you establish yourself as knowing who you are and your identity in God, then your purpose is revealed. But so many people want to try and figure out their purpose before they understand their identity. We go and do this, and we try and pursue this, and we try and do that outside of the scope of understanding that I am a child of God. That's why in this time we potentially have over 100 different genders. When I was in high school, in the early 2000s, I believe there were two genders. And in this short amount of time, we've ballooned into close to 100 different. Because people are out in the world yelling and screaming, looking for their identity. Who am I? Where did I come from? What am I about? What's going on? Does anybody love me? Does anybody care? Let me try this. Let me try that. They haven't understood their position. Therefore, their purpose is so scattered. And it starts with you being a child and understanding you are a child of God. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, when you say yes to the Father, He says yes to you, and He sees you as His son and as His daughter. Number two, to being a child, you can come up and play some piano. Thank you, ma'am. Number two, go to school. For you to become a child, you've got to understand your identity as his child. And number two, you've got to go to school. Look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. We use this scripture to talk about our children. But now look at it from the context of you being a child, and it puts a twist on it. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, we've taught this scripture over and over and over again when it comes to parents training up their children. Spanking their children, bringing them to church, teaching them, all the things that we've taught biblically on how to train up a child. Because when they're young, and you're teaching them, and you're encouraging them, and you're loving them, when they get older, when they're out of the house, when they're in college, when they're married, when they're doing whatever they're doing, it says here there's a promise that they're not going to depart from it. They're going to come back to it. 
But now in the context of this sermon, the context of this scripture, you're that child. So you need to train up yourself in the way you should go. Because when you get older, you won't depart from it. It's great to do that with your children, but you've got to take some, some self-evaluation on yourself. You've got to get in the Scriptures. You've got to find out what you believe and what He said about you. How do I know what a son and daughter is promised if I'm not looking in the book, in the manual that's telling me what I am? I've got to train myself. I've got to listen to podcasts, read books, come to service, fellowship with other Christians. I'm training myself. Getting up early and praying, praying on the way to work, praying in the shower, laying my hands on somebody, even if they don't get healed, I'm still going to step out in faith and lay my hands, love on somebody, care for somebody. You got to go to school, you got to train up yourself so that when you get older, when you fall into something, that you've never experienced before, you've got this backing behind you. Remember Jesus talking about the wise man built his house on the foundation, on the rock. The dumb one just built it on sand. That the storm hit both places, but because one had trained themselves and prepared themselves and got themselves ready, when that foundation-shifting event happened in their lives, they didn't depart. They were built on that cornerstone. The last one that I have is be like your heavenly parent. Be like your heavenly father. In order for you to become a child, you've got to understand your identity as a child. You've got to go to school and you've got to be like your heavenly father. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Verse 2. And walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. How are you going to be like daddy if you're not around him all the time? Yesterday, as I was preparing the sermon and doing all that, Maddie and Faith came in and they were talking and they said, my son Noah brought them outside and he had built this little stage and he told them that he wanted to preach to them. And then he started telling them that he wanted, do you want to come share your sermon? Nope, all right. <laughs> and Maddie told me that he said that he was a world changer, which was the first sermon that we preached in this sermon series. I am a world changer. We will change our world. My wife said that he preached and said that Jesus was in your heart. That if you were sick or you were dead, that he would heal you in one day. He's an imitator. He's, he sees me do this every Sunday. He's seen it do, us do and show up at church every, for the last five years of his life. He has no idea that being a pastor out in the world is, is not really that big of a deal. Jeremiah Land, head pastor over Press Church in Williston, South Carolina, is not the same as LeBron James, basketball star. Is not the same as President of the United States. Is not the same as CEO of the world. But he's just imitating his daddy. He just sees what his daddy's doing, and he's imitating it. 
Ephesians chapter 1 says, be imitators, dear children. Be imitators of God. The closer that you get to Him, the more you spend time with Him, the more you just can't help but be like your daddy. To love people, to serve people, to give to people, to encourage people. You just feel compelled when somebody's going through something. Let me pray for you. Because I know what my God can do. I've seen Him before, and if He's done it before, He'll do it again. He's done it in my life. He'll do it in yours. I am a child. I know the world tells me I need to be an adult. But no. In the upside-down teaching of God, I am a child. I'll do whatever I can do to get in His lap. Instead of running away like Adam and Eve and hiding when I have a bad dream, when I do a bad thing, I'm going running to my Abba Father's bedroom and obtain grace and mercy, obtain healing, obtain whatever I need. Be a child today. Let's stand up as we get ready to head out. Father, we thank You. We thank You for one, calling us Your children. Us, Gentiles, you could have called us a lot of things. But you called us your children. Just like your son, Jesus. We thank you for that. Father, help us to be like children. Help us to spend time with you and be more like you. Help us to train ourselves in what you've done and what you've said. Help us to understand our identity. That I'm not Jeremiah Land, born and raised in Louisiana, part of the Land household, now a head pastor in Williston, South Carolina for Press Church. That's all good and dandy. The wife, the husband to Maddie, the father to Noah and Eliza. I'm all of those things, but number one, I am a son of God. I am a child of God. And knowing that identity, knowing who I am, propels me into the purpose that you have for me. Father, help these people today, those watching online and those that are here, understand their position. Understand that they are a child of God. That you can love on them, you can take care of them. Help them. Help them when, they, when something bad happens, encourage them to run to you because all you are is love, mercy, and grace. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for these people. Thank you that you're moving in their lives. Thank you that you're keeping us all safe and healthy and protecting us and bringing us back safely next week in Jesus' name. Before we leave, we want to talk about our faith declaration. During the sermon series, we have this faith declaration. Next week, we are going to be, I am a believer is next week. I am a believer. We're going to be talking about faith next week. The world tells us, that you can only believe fact, you can only believe what's in front of you, what's in front of your hands, what you can hold on to, but that's not what Jesus teaches us. Jesus says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So next week we're going to talk about I am a believer, but let's start on the left side. We're going to say this all together, some faith declarations. One, two, three. I am a world changer. I will change my world. I am a servant. I am a giver. I am a lover. I am a child. 
I am a believer. I am a receiver. I will change my world. I am a world changer. Happy 4th of July. We love you so much. God bless. And we will see y'all next Sunday. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.